When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for football, hockey, and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 65 65- Five one four three six one one two zero, or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present bonus chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of fifteen hundred ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, and we have a special edition for Packers Week. I'm joined by, of course, Derek Wetmore, the football savant of no 1500 doubt. ESPN. We have Ben Gessling of ESPN.com, who covers the Vikings. Ben, how you doing? I, I'm heart my my heart is warmed by the fact that every time I, you guys have me on this thing it's a special edition oh no what you don't know is i actually say that every time yeah, we start this is a very special edition to me too tonight on a very special blossom i was going to you ask, guys are way too young to know what blossom is i was yeah. going to ask which of us was the uh special guest uh but i was going to say it was Wetmore. Derek. you know me better than that Pretty, right exactly of course it's of course it's ben gessling who covers the vikings for espn.com and we'll talk about the vikings have a shot to win the nfc north for the first time since 2009 They've got just one win at Lambeau Field in the last decade. We'll talk about if the Vikings are poised to take the NFC crown from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, what's different this time around from last month's matchup? How has their approach changed? Uh, and then we'll end with our picks segment. First of all, guys, we uh, obviously last time around, they had the T-shirts. They made this a whole big thing. Beat Green Bay. The Beat Green Bay shirts. Yeah, I think yeah. Linval Joseph was the one we spotted kind of wearing that. And he says he still wears it around just because just he likes the shirt. Sure. But the Vikings are not going to uh, make up new ones for this week, uh, even though the stakes are so much higher. Their approach seems to have changed. Ben, have you seen any kind of a difference here from Mike Zimmer or the players heading into this matchup against the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I think they're more like what they normally are. I mean, I, I think that was so out of character for them last time to go in treating this like, oh, it's such a big week. I mean, that that's so not how they approach these things. Yeah, typically. it's not Mike Zimmer. No, it's yeah. not, yeah. And which made it so odd that he did it the last time. And you get the the sense that he probably learned from that. I mean, you know, he, the way he's talked about it this week is sort of 
that I mean, I, I think the whole week, I mean, the way the game played out was out of character for them, and I think he knows that. I think he realized that they probably didn't treat that game like they should have, and and the the result on Sunday is, you know, out of sorts as they looked. I think was probably part of that. So I, I think they're kind of back to what they normally are, and and we'll see on Sunday if that leads to a different result. Yeah. You guys were there. I mean, it's Captain Munnerlin who said. The first time that came out, he said, listen, no no disrespect, this is today in the Vikings locker room. And I, I'm pretty sure both of you guys were standing right yeah. there when he said this. Listen, no disrespect to my head coach. I don't want to go against like what he was trying to do, but I saw those T-shirts the first time, and I thought, what? What? That's that's not us. We're yeah. not, we don't do that. I thought Captain said that uh, you know, the approach in the NFL, they'll always talk about every game is important. They're always, you know, you always have to get up in the intensity. It's not just, oh, it's the Green Bay Packers. Like, yeah, they're kind of the toast of the NFC North right now, but the the message that Captain was saying that, that he thought was going to be the message was treat it like any other game. The Vikings very clearly didn't do that. You hear, depending on which players you talk to, some will say they got too up for that game. Others will say, nah, that, that angle's a little bit overplayed. It's We weren't too hype. We just didn't play well. But I did think it was interesting that Captain was willing to go and say publicly that he didn't really agree with the approach to like building up the hype surrounding that game. Captain Munnell is definitely the go-to guy in that locker room for when you want to get a straight shot answer for somebody who's not going to hold back. But you're absolutely right. Captain Munnell pointed that out. And a lot of players, I think, kind of, you know, just kind of whispered about that in the sense that that's, that's not really, like Ben said, that's not who they are. That's not the approach Mike Zimmer brings to the table. And they've kind of adjusted now. They pivoted back to what they normally do. Uh, Mike Zimmer said it on Monday that this is not a motivation week for him and how he wants to view this, this week and how he wants to preach it to his players. And I think the hope is, is that they've kind of taken some lessons learned from the past few weeks, whether that's sticking with Adrian Peterson, whether that's being able to finally win a primetime game against the Giants on Sunday night, being able to perform under pressure, as Mike Zimmer said. And I think maybe that's what they see as kind of different about this approach for this week, yeah. uh, not to mention a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is playing with a very hot hand. Well, the, you thing, t- go ahead. The, the thing to me is that you, it wasn't just in the locker room that week. You could feel it through the entire organization that, that there was this sense of this is our moment. We're finally going to you know knock down the big bad bully on the block. I remember going to that thing with Roger Goodell that morning of that game, mm-hmm. and even among Vikings front office people, there was this feeling of like, our our chance at the title, our chance you know at the title belt, so to speak, yeah. is finally here. That's fine and good to feel that way, but I think with a young team as impressionable as these guys are, yeah. you run the risk of that happening if you do that in a game like that. You get guys that come in and say, "Okay, I got to do things differently than I normally do." It, to a to a player that's been there, that's been through big games, that has some frame of reference of, "Okay, this is what I do when I'm in this situation." Maybe it means preparing a little bit more. Maybe it means you know taking that a little bit of extra time throughout the week. It doesn't mean changing what I do on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon as that game was. I, I think for older players, you can make that translation in your head. I'm not sure that younger players can, and I think it would be a number you know number one silly to do it after you got beat 30 to 13 and come out and talk like now we're going to get them. But I also think that when you're already in this situation where it's a big game, it's Sunday night, it's for the division, all of that to come out and put more on it for young players just 
you run the risk of, of that happening again. Yeah, and you've seen them now pivot back to more of that motivational style that Mike Zimmer's used to of the the what, what they're doubting. You can't do this, you can't do that, and that's basically we the can't one. Can't win a prime time game. Yeah, yeah. Can't now win that's a Lambeau Field. That's I mean, just that, it. That is now the biggest can't sure. that's left on the board. It's that you are now still you're not the toast of the division, even though you are tied at ten and five with the Green Bay Packers. You that's the one team you haven't beat. They're zero and three under Mike Zimmer against the Green Bay Packers, and I think that's the one thing you see them prop up now is is they go back to that kind of we're in the low rent district mentality. Yeah. That kind of thing. Well, and even doing what he did, I mean, we talk about young players, that might have been a young coach thing to do. I mean, that really was the first big game he was in as a head coach. So, I mean, maybe he made a mistake there. I mean, you know, I I think he would say that he wouldn't do the same thing again. And, And maybe that's kind of one of those we talk about young players learning to go through this for the first time. Mike Zimmer was kind of going through it the first time too. Yeah, in, inexperienced, inexperienced head coach. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> he, he ain't young. No, he's not. Mike Zimmer ain't a spring chicken. He's yeah. not. Andrew, I want to double back on something that you mentioned about uh, having learned some lessons, and one of the things you specifically mentioned was leaning on Peterson kind of through thick and thin. Have you guys seen that now? And since he was very, very vocal about his role. Um, which you can take one of two ways. You can say it's belligerent and like a uh, kind of diva superstar, or you can say that he truly feels like their best chance of winning is going through him, and so he's just after that end. Um, in either case, whichever you think about how Peterson handled publicly his role and his sort of usage a couple of weeks ago, have you seen the Vikings pivot back and North Turner going back to saying, like, kind of Peterson or bust a little bit? Well, they have, but there's only one situation since that Seattle game where they've been put in a spot that really tested that resolve. And it was when they were down by 10 in the fourth quarter to the Arizona Cardinals. I believe they started that quarter down 20 to 10. Yep. And that was the first time Mike Zimmer even pointed out at the press conference afterward that he was happy that they continued to stick with the run. They came out and I think they ran something like three straight runs to start that fourth quarter, even though they were down by two scores. The other two wins clearly have been blowouts. And you can stick with your main guy, and, and he had a sprained ankle against Chicago, so that kind of limited him. But he's averaged 21 carries a game in these last three, two of those being blowouts. So they haven't really been put in a situation sure. to where they're tested to be down that much. But you're seeing them now continue to stick with him in the second half, regardless of what the score is. They're not pulling him necessarily to, to save him uh, when they were up 40, you know, nine to 17. You know, they, they waited a while to get him out of that game. Those are the kind of things where you see them, I think, kind of restore goodwill with him. But you, you've seen Teddy become more comfortable, I think, because of a change in game plan on, on, on the past plays, but also, I think, because of Adrian's consistent presence uh, in, in kind of those formations. And you've seen him change, too, I think, a little bit in how they're using him. I think we saw the shotgun run come back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit on You Sunday. see him just kind of mix things back in a little bit more and change how they're using Adrian. But the recommitment to Adrian, I think, and keep getting him on the right page is pretty much key into keeping that whole offense uh, happy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ben, in your perspective, is he right to have said that stuff? I mean, you're seeing sort of – I mean, maybe one plays off the other, so it's hard to answer these questions. Uh, you know, they're not uh, – uh, what's the phrase? Mutually exclusive um, in seeing Bridgewater have a little bit more success recently with some of the quicks and just getting the ball out quickly and letting his receivers sort of – pick up yards after the catch. I mean, I guess my question is twofold. Which came first, the chicken or the egg, and was Peterson right to sort of be uh, vocal in those ways about his role in the offense? It's funny that you say the chicken and the egg because my mind immediately goes to a question that Peterson got at the end of the 2012 season. Okay, uh, There was this TV crew, I think it was from Canada, that came down and asked him this long-winded question about, like, 
which came first, your confidence or your ability? And they, they said kind of a chicken or the egg question. And he just goes, at the beginning of the question, he just goes, the chicken or the egg? And then he kind of gives this long, rambling answer and says, I would say my confidence. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's my Adrian Peterson impersonation for everybody that's listening to this podcast. So but which did he think, I mean, in in the Earth's history, the chicken or the egg? Do I, have, I, I don't know if we got that far. I don't think we got that far. I'm not sure if he answered that question. These are the important <laughs> things. But, uh, I mean, as far as, as the Vikings offense, which I suppose is only slightly less important than uh, – the origin of the chicken as a species. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I would say that he probably said that, I think, because he knows, I think, what a lot of guys in that locker room believe is that Adrian Peterson is the, the one guy that defenses have to know about at all times, and when you take him out of it, I, you know, defenses are going to approach yeah. it differently. And right. So I think, I think a lot of it for him is saying, yes, I'm the guy, but... I'm saying that I need to be involved because I know how much this offense depends on me and I want us to have success as a team. Sure. I you know, I, I think it's a little I mean, you see that I think in a lot of sports where guys that know they're the guy, I mean, you, in the NBA is kind of what I think of. Mm-hmm. Guys that know they're in charge are the guys that are bringing up the ball at the end of sure. the game. So, I mean, you can't obviously do that in the NFL when when the guy is a running back and has to have somebody else get in the ball and call a play for him. But I think it's a little bit of that mindset. The Andrew Kramers of the podcasting world. Right. When they know. Give me the ball and get out of the way. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, so very similar. Your Kobe's in basketball. I feel like I've been setting a lot of picks your here to Kramers. start. Let's, let's give me some credit here. Your Kobe's in basketball. Your Kramers in Come podcasting. He's kind of on that level. Yeah. I, am, I, I may be a volume shooter, but I, I do set a pick every True. now and then. I think that's a good pivot, though, to talk about what. how has this offense changed and has it at all from when they went into that first Green Bay matchup. When they were, they won the five straight, they were 7-2 and two going into that one. They were all Adrian Peterson. They certainly have gone back to that with, with obviously Adrian averaging as many carries as he had. But you've seen, I think, the pieces around him change a little bit. I think we've seen Teddy Bridgewater kind of a, a Norv Turner kind of adopt more of a quicker passing game for Teddy, less of those deep drops, getting the ball out of his hand quicker. And, hey, even though Adrian's still playing this massive role, they've gotten Jarek McKinnon involved now too. They're mixing in, I think, different guys in there where it's it's uh, at least per- giving different elements uh, of this offense that they didn't have. I think it's easy to forget that Teddy had thrown for, what was it, 296 yards in that first game against Green Bay. I, I thought he was pretty successful yeah, in that outing. Yeah, in the end he was. And, and that was one where he was sacked something like six times. And so they need to keep him upright. They need to get the ball out of his hands. And to me, I think that's been the biggest difference. Ben, what have you seen from this offense and how it's changed since that first Green Bay game? Well, you know, I think the the commitment to the short passing game has been a lot more. I mean, you saw early on this season, and we all kind of said it, why are they taking so many seven-step drops when their offensive line has been this bad? And I think that they have finally found an identity there, and that was not without some some internal kind of uncertainty. You know, I I've, I wrote a little bit about it last week, but that I mean, there was some frustration from Teddy Bridgewater in terms of the direction of the offense of of what he felt comfortable doing and what they were doing on Sundays. And I think at, at this point now, and Mike Zimmer alluded to a lot of this last week mm-hmm. when he talked about you know Teddy learning how much he can say in terms of what he wants. In meetings. Even. Yes, yeah. and I, I thought it was very revealing that he said all that. And I, I circled back with him the next day and asked him, you know, what does he need to do to, to learn to do that? And he said, well, sometimes he'll tell me what he wants and I'll go tell Norv and I'm still telling him that you can go straight to Norv and do it. So there's been a feeling out process and all of that. But I do think they've reached a point now where they understand 
for this year at least, this is how we have to play. We might want to go down the field more often, but we're just not built at the moment to do that as, as often as we might like to do. So we'll take the chances when we can. You saw it on Sunday that he did a little more of that. But I think they have realized now that this, the short passing game, the quick stuff has to be a big part of it for the passing game to be a successful complement. And it's really because of, well, I think it matches Teddy's skill set well in that he doesn't have that big cannon of an arm. It's it's not going to be always, he's not going to be able to unleash that 50-yard bomb downfield. And then also because, like we everybody's mentioned, that offensive line. it just That's why those deep drops failed consistently, I think, because of how much pressure Teddy was getting. Teddy said something today, too, uh, on Wednesday of this week that I thought was pretty revealing when he, he basically said, look, last year we kind of found out our identity this time as well. And he kind of feels like now they've hit, hit a stride or at least have found some kind of cohesion and consistency mm-hmm. with what they all want and being all on the same page. And he gets the question asked every week now, the past three weeks, what do you, what, what's made you so much comfortable? And he doesn't come out and say they've made these drastic changes, but yeah. you can read between the lines. Right. He's, he says, oh, the game plan, the coaches have been drawn up game plans that we're all comfortable with. And yeah. I think, like you said, Ben, that means him, that yeah. he's comfortable with. He said something last week when he got asked about this. He basically said, I'm a guy who likes to play fast, get going. To the, in so many words, he said, I like the quick stuff, and I, I like to be a guy that's that's going quickly and, and making reads and getting the ball out of my hands quickly. I mean, it was as close as he's come <laughs> yeah. to offering a thesis statement for what he yes. wants in that offense, yeah. and he has been much more willing to say that in recent weeks. That After the play at the end of the Arizona game, he pretty much came out and said, that play took too long to develop. I had receivers coming across the field. I had to wait for him. He's become a lot more willing, at least publicly, to kind of – hint at here's what i want and you got to think that if he's doing that publicly he's probably becoming a little more willing to say that in meetings as well well in sunday after sunday's game it's one of those things that teddy will and this is speaking from a media member's perspective i I don't know how fans really perceive this but teddy will lull you to sleep in the things (laughs) that he's talking about you ask him a question Mm -hmm. and he talks about his teammates and you ask him something, are you unhappy with the game plan? And he talks about how happy he is to be a Minnesota Viking. Well, and, of course, there's the famous quote from last year. This is Vlad Dukas' team. Vlad Dukas, <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, and he picked a third guy, too, and I, I can't remember. It was Jabari Price. Jabari Price, yeah. thank you. <laughs> and then later in the year, Teddy says the same thing when someone asks, is it becoming your team? And he mentions those three yeah. same guys. I'm sitting at the press conference, and I just started laughing. I'm like, those are the same guys you said a couple months ago. He's Anyways, on message. He yep. does He does know how to play sort of that politically correct NFL quarterback line. And my point in saying that is against that backdrop, something he said Sunday stood out to me a lot. It was just one of those things he said in the middle of an answer as he was talking about – um, you know, what's been working. So obviously they just demolished the New York Giants several moments before he's standing up on the uh, at the dais there. And he says, you know, one of the things about this offense is that at least he's saying like recently, we don't test protections. Right. Yeah. And I really liked that that sort of window into how they're thinking about the offense. Because like if you have a great offensive line, you might say, okay, we're going to get a lot of pressure against this defensive scheme and this is how we're going to have to block it and we can probably block it for X number of seconds before we have to get the ball out. If your offensive line is is sort of makeshift, kind of let's call it a spoke-a-spoke here, a bit of a ragtag crew Mm -hmm. for the Vikings, uh, you're not necessarily willing to say like, oh, could we maybe get three seconds out of this one? You're saying, okay, if this is the pressure we're getting, we got to go, we got to get the ball out instead of, like Teddy said, 
testing some of those protections. Oh, and like Ben talked about as well, the, the what was the number one example of how they tested protections recently? The last play in Arizona. Arizona, yeah. yeah. And, and they've the test failed. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think maybe whether or not that was a lesson learned or that Teddy finally broke through and said, an for Freeney. and said something. Wow. <laughs> the creativity. You know what? You know what? I think Ben Guessing might be the Kobe of podcasts. I'm, I'm changing my tune a little bit here. Give him the ball. Are you kidding me? That was, more, that was more of a Chris Paul, like, how do you make that pass kind of thing than F, Kobe. F for Freeney. That's <laughs> pretty good. It's, from, it's the creativity from the guy that went to the same high school as Tyus Jones. Ar- artistic oh mastery. Apple Valley High School, folks. Just in case anybody didn't know. Wow, we quick. need to get a sponsorship before you started throwing that <laughs> yeah, out. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> Hey, this is Andrew Kramer with the Purple Podcast. I just want to thank you guys for checking us out every week. And if you like the podcast, please go check us out on iTunes. Leave a review. Four or five stars would be appreciated. But if you don't like Derek Wetmore's hot football takes or you think Judd Zolgad's a little too negative, you can go ahead and give us a one-star rating if you feel so inclined. But those reviews are going to help us spread the word of the Purple Podcast, the best Minnesota Vikings analysis in town. Now, back to the podcast. School I think of te- champions. I, I think now Teddy Bridgewater, though, going back to that final play that yeah. in Arizona, you, you probably saw him be a little bit more vocal, like Ben said. If he's if he's publicly now saying things, assuredly he's probably saying those same things and even more behind closed doors to Norv Turner or Mike Zimmer. Yeah. And it's clearly produced changes. Whether or not Norv has done that on his own or uh, with the help of Teddy or Mike Zimmer telling him, they're adjusting now to that more quick passing game. Yeah. And like I said, I've enjoyed watching at least some of the more creative things they've done on offense, getting Jarek McKinnon involved. Heck, they even had one play together with Adrian and Jarek on the same field where it was that fake jet sweep screen. Mm-hmm. Perfect misdirection play to get Adrian open. Adrian has to make the catch. Right. <laughs> he does right. and picks up the 15 yards. Those kind of things. And, and two, on, on Sunday, you see him adjust with the protections. You're, you're seeing Red Ellison now, instead of Kyle Rudolph, be that extra right tackle, which sure. is just a great adjustment because that's what Red is more built well, to do. Well, they pull Brandon Fusco to be the right tackle yep. on the one play with yep. TJ Clemmings, too. I mean, they are getting to a point where I think they're saying, hey, this is what we are. Let's take what we are and figure out how to use it rather than hoping that we can be okay. what we thought we could be in July in an ideal world. And I that's the time to – this is the time be. to adjust, yeah. too. It's, it's, you'd rather – Mike Zimmer talks about all the time. You'd rather die by his guns, but there's a point where you can't be stubborn at there. You have to adjust, especially when that passing game was ranked – it's probably still ranked one of the worst in the NFL. I haven't mm-hmm. looked at it, but it's, it's picked up in recent weeks. You mentioned uh, – I always have to dig into metaphors and, and – Cliches and truisms. Die by his guns. Do you are you suggesting Mike Zimmer a uh, staunch <clears throat> proponent of the Second Amendment? Or is wow, that, we're digging way deep into yeah, his. I would assume you're, I'm going to plead the fifth to your Second Amendment question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is your right. But as <laughs> a guy, worth the controversy. As a guy who Brian Murphy yeah, went down to his Kentucky what was it, right. Kentucky farm, right? Hunting, hunting vermin hunting at the area. ranch. Yep. I would assume so. The guy who drives a truck with a camo trim on it and a Ducks Unlimited bumper sticker yep. on the back. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> I would assume so. Um, so playing off of your uh, Vikings offensive question, though, like I said a couple of weeks ago, Andrew, when we were talking about this similar thing. Yep. The best way – I don't know if it's Norm making these on his own. I don't know if it's Teddy demanding things. These are just total speculation from me, the podcaster. But I do think that the best way to reach the best consensus in this kind of arena, like namely NFL offenses and game plans for certain weeks, get the smartest people together in a room, have them have a frank and honest conversation when you're you're allowed to – propose anything and you're allowed to shoot anything down and everybody has some sort of say their voice will be heard they won't be 
in trouble for speaking up, and I think that's the best way to reach a smart consensus. If the Vikings are doing that now, kudos to them. I think that's for the best uh, to, to get conflict, I think, breeds the best result. And of course, that's going to get the best headlines if, if something like that ever happens. I want to know personally with this Vikings offense, before we move on to the defense, I want to know at the end of uh, the season what in the heck happened with a guy like Charles Johnson. But um, we'll pivot right now before we go and talk about the Vikings' defense and what they need to do differently against Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers completed just 47% of his passes in that first matchup at TCF. You'll take that every single time if you're a head coach to see a great quarterback like that struggle the way he did, but he made the big plays when it counted. He got out of the pocket. He made the the touchdown throw to James Jones. I remember uh, it was a broken play. Those were the kind of throws that Aaron Rodgers is maybe one of the only quarterbacks in the world to make that kind of play. But at the same time, Eddie Lacy has had 300-yard games uh, in Mike Zimmer's three losses against the Green Bay Packers. They've got more than Aaron Rodgers to worry about, and especially if the Packers are going to pivot back to the run because they just got sacked eight times and blown out in Arizona. If they're going to pivot back to the run the way they they did uh, against the Minnesota Vikings a month ago, that's something where you're going to have to see now, are they good enough to stop Eddie Lacy this time around because they haven't been the first three weeks. Well, and you want wonder how healthy that offensive line is going to be. I mean, I With guess Green that, Bay, yeah. that yeah. is probably more of an issue in pass protection because, I mean, Don Barkley, the guy that they had starting at left tackle, has been a pretty good run blocker in the time that they've had to use him. It, it, you know, it, it'll be more of an issue, I think, in the passing game if that. Yeah, Everson Griffin will probably have a good yes, matchup there. Yes, yeah. he yeah. certainly would. But, yeah, I mean, that is going to be something to watch on Sunday is how much can the Packers – dictate the tempo of the game with Eddie Lacy because I, I right. think that's been a lot of it too is that Mike Zimmer sort of has the recipe on how to play Aaron Rodgers that you press his receivers you play safeties over the top you don't let him go down the field you try to keep him in the pocket they didn't do that very well last time out but that is going to be the approach you see him take I think schematically so the counter to that is okay fine if you're going to do that we're going to check the ball down and pound it to Eddie Lacy and if they're able to do that successfully I think that's kind of how they'll well, be productive enough. Right, and, and defensively, too, before we get to the pick segment here, don't forget how much pain the Vikings inflicted on themselves. Yeah, they all the penalties. 10 yards and penalties. Yeah, we talked about, un- talk about the uncharacteristic approach to the game. They were uncharacteristic yeah. on the field. Right. Yeah, with the penalties I that mean, they had, yep. So you think, you consider, now that was a lopsided game, obviously. Mm-hmm. If the Vikings played some closer to mistake-free football, I think that's a bit more of a competition. That's, yep. a, that's a much better game, and I think that's what I'm expecting this weekend. And the one thing I'm looking forward to see is what does Mike Zimmer do in terms of blitzing Aaron Rodgers? Because yeah. they didn't blitz him much last month, and they were fully healthy just as they are now. They've got Anthony Barr back. Uh, Linval Joseph did not practice on Wednesday, so we're going to have to see what his status is for the game. But they got Harrison Smith. They got Anthony Barr back. They uh, sent Captain Munnellin after Eli Manning quite a bit on Sunday. They're doing things now to get after the quarterback when they've got a full barrage of people. Yeah. I, I want to see now, do they adjust at least that rush plan on Aaron Rodgers because like you said they didn't keep him in the pocket very well with their kind of four-man rush predominantly a four-man rush do they now try to send more after him to fluster him especially if Green Bay is hurting on that offensive line they could maybe look to overpower that that will be interesting to watch the the risk you take with that is that Aaron Rodgers gets away and you've got a broken play down the field somewhere I mean but the Cardinals did that to perfection I thought on Sunday they were able to send extra guys now the Cardinals are one of the best blitzing teams in the NFL back there too yes uh, but I think these Vikings have been playing really well in man coverage and I think the and the Packers receivers are really nothing to uh, fret about at this point right and Patrick Peterson was following Randall Cobb around you wonder if they'll try to do the same thing with Xavier Rhodes now they'll put Randall Cobb in the slot enough that that may neutralize that because the I thought Vikings, captain's been playing really well he has lately. the Vikings yep. don't put Xavier Rhodes in the slot yeah, when he's yeah. shadowing a receiver typically but 
that is something to watch as well if they if they try to do that take Randall Cobb out of the game. It's going to be I think it's going to be a fun night. I think it's going to be a close game. I had a hard time picking this one today when I had to, to put my pick in. Let's get into it. Well, you who you got? Have, right? Yeah, who you got? I picked the Packers and I say this with little conviction. Uh 24 to 20. I I just Oh, he I, does scores. Andrew, he does. We have scores. to do scores for ESPN.com and we have to pick one on a Wednesday. If you're a heavy hitter, Derek, you got to do scores. Yeah, well, Come on. That's now. The, Derek just, doesn't Derek doesn't do scores. Derek he, he doesn't refuses. Derek doesn't roll in the circles that we do. Cody. That's right. <laughs> Bingo. Uh I just I think in the end a game that the Packers need to win at Lambeau Field gives them a little bit of that edge. The Vikings have not won there. Since 2005, other than the time they had Brett Favre as their quarterback, they had the tie there in 2013. Aaron Rodgers didn't play in that game. I, you know, I, I know Mike Zimmer doesn't want to talk about what happened in the past, and I, I know it, it doesn't matter that much, but it is indicative of the larger trend of these teams. And I think as as much as the offensive line issues give me pause, as much as I would like to make this pick later in the week to see what David Bakhtiari's status is, at the moment I feel like. The Packers playing in a game that they need to win at Lambeau Field gives them just a little bit of that edge and gets them over the top. Yeah, I want to see what Linval Joseph's status right. is as well yeah. because we talk about Eddie Lacy in that run game. Joseph is going to be a big factor in that. I have to agree with Ben Gessling. I have the Packers winning uh, something like 24 to 17, I guess. I'll just adjust that score. See, he a picked bit. a bigger blowout than me, folks. So if you yeah. want to get mad at somebody. <laughs> but you've got the bigger stage and more Twitter you followers. You want to get mad to, at somebody. At Andrew underscore Kramer yeah, is I'll, where I'll you tr- direct I'll try your to deflect the pitch fire and vitriol. <laughs> my prediction in one word, and then we could just sign off the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. You're not going to drop the mic, are you? I appreciate you having come on the Purple Podcast. We've got to do this more often. In we, fact, we'll, we all be, we'll all be in Green Bay this weekend. We'll probably we, do it We've again done that once before. I think we did a 2 a.m. podcast after that Thursday. Thursday night, a Christian Ponder special. Yes, that's right. A very slap happy purple podcast. Yes, it was. That was a slap happy night at Lambeau Field. <laughs> what do you got, Derek? Vikings. Stay tuned for 60 second AP News headlines. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB JJ McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.